This is the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. Welcome to the Liberator Podcast. My name is Jeremy Kubitschek, and always I am with my partner in liberation, Steve Cochran. Steve, how are you, brother? I'm incredibly well, Jeremy. Lovely to be with you. I've been on vacation, as you Americans say, a whole week away without work. Unbelievable. That's the first time in your life, I think, that you've gotten this check. <laughs> but but it, it was. You you completely unplugged. I was so proud of you. You just uh, you fully rested. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think the difficulty is with someone like me who finds fourth gear restful. It's actually harder sometimes to be intentional at doing gears one, two, three. But um, we often say, don't we if, we, if you don't schedule the gears you find most difficult, they won't happen. So... Um, I also think it was to do with, you know, we had a really good conversation with realizing that so Rich, our integrator from the last uh, call, the three of us were different in the way that I'd often say, do you know, I'm not sure I need to unplug completely to rest. But I think when I talked with Rich um, and you were to some degree as well, realizing that actually for you guys, it was essential that you did. So therefore, for me, one of the things was going, well, if leaders define culture, if, if I take time off and really unplug, then everyone else will feel that's okay too. So pioneer voice is a loud voice. So I was trying to go, okay. And I, I actually really enjoyed it. I had some great time with family, great time with the kids. You know, All I'll say is a week on vacation goes on forever compared to a week of work. It just seems like it stretches on for an eternity. <laughs> But isn't it interesting, though, how part of it, like I think you said this, it was not just for you. It was actually your unplugging was not just your rest, but it actually allowed your daughter, your parents, that you know those that were with you, your family. Um, it allowed them to experience you differently maybe than in other times. So I love it. I think as well, Jason, the last one on that for me is, so for a lot of leaders, and I'll, I'll usually you know, have a jibe at the Americans here, Americans often pride themselves on not taking their va- full vacation. You, know, you only get like two weeks anyway, and to take a full two weeks is almost wrong. I think one of those challenges are for, for leaders defining culture, if you want your people to unplug and rest, they have to see you do it as well. If you don't do it, it's really hard for other people to feel that you are actually giving permission for the culture to be one where real first second year happens so i think that was a good learning for me and probably pioneers and others that are very work driven it's really easy to go yeah guys yeah take your holiday but then make snide comments about the fact that well i don't need holiday so why should you so that was a real one for me of just thinking oh so you're really weak you need vacation versus if you want to create a culture where people feel they can do that you probably have to model it as leaders so there's a little early challenge on today's liberator podcast for you workaholics out there yeah come on I'm preaching it, brother. Bring it. Obviously, I've been I've been learning this for a whole week, so I'm now an expert in this particular field. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, absolutely. Well, I have been um, I've been in a different season for those. Um, we well, we have a lot of change, which is going to be what we're going to talk about today, um, and a lot of change in our world personally and in Giant with Steve and our team. And you heard some of it last week for those listening. Uh, this has been, we're in a move season. We literally have so many new things going on. We're building, um, we, we, you know, most of you who have followed us know that we're building a, a modern farmhouse development as a little hobby. We're mo- building a new house in that. We've just sold our house. We're moving this week. Um, and we're building a new studio at Giant in the process of all. So everything is built right now. 
and we're about to launch our new business model uh, in September as far as moving, transitioning to this new model. So the amounts of change that are going on um, were ridiculous. This weekend I spent time going through all that, you know, the, the attic of things that you collect and then you go like, why did we keep this? And literally purging all of these things, which is so cathartic in so many different ways. But uh, um, we're just in the midst of change as an organization, too. And we want to talk about this because last week we shared um, a lot of our structure as far as how we're structuring. But I want to remind you, and we want to, Steve and I want to talk about the, the concept of the change equation. We brought this up maybe eight months ago, maybe, um, in the Liberated Podcast. But we're going to bring up the change equation and talk to you about the process we've gone through to actually make change happen and make it be a positive change for everyone in our world and our life. So it comes from, um, it's basically the change equation. If you, if you um, Google or, Wiki, or Wikipedia, uh, the change equation, it's the Dan Miller version that we've used. And then this version, it basically says change equals dissatisfaction times vision times first step has to be greater than resistance. So I know I just nerded out right there. And so that was a little bit of detail in this formula. It basically C equals D times V times F greater than resistance. So Steve, walk them through um, what that means, just change, what, the, what that equation actually means, and then we'll get into specifics. That's so kind of you, Jeremy. I had a, I had a feeling you were about to do that. So in, in layman's terms, what it means is that, that for change to happen effectively, certain conditions have to be acknowledged inside the group of people or organization for that to happen. So dissatisfaction with the status quo. So you actually have to have enough dissatisfaction from enough people and enough stakeholders for that to be high. But then that number multiplied by the kind of engagement with the vision. So if the vision is low and people don't really know what it is, they're not really excited by it, that is actually going to be a, a challenge to leading change. But where you have high dissatisfaction, high vision, i.e. people are frustrated, they're kind of going, I love our vision. Why, why is it we can't seem to get there? And then you have what we would call clarity of the next steps required, the F, the first steps required to enable that process of moving towards that new future is clear. So dissatisfaction times vision times the clarity of first steps has to be greater than resistance for change to happen effectively and well. And resistance can be made up of multiple things, but there is obviously an inert resistance to change inside certain personalities, certain characters, different people in different seasons of their life. People may complain about what's going on and they may talk about wanting things to change, but there is an innate human and also um, organizational inertia to anything that feels like change. So I think, you know, that, that damn is we've used it. So we needed change to happen. There was dissatisfaction with the status quo. There was an incredible clarity of vision, but we had to work quite hard, I would say, at clarifying what were the steps that we needed to take to get to, or the strategy that would enable us to deliver the vision. And seeing that was greater than resistance, change became possible just over a year ago. Do you want to make anything more clearer than me, Jeremy? That's what I've been trying to do. <laughs> yeah, I want to go through. I'm going to go through. So for us, our change was that we had this uh, consulting model 
Um, and we had gotten to a point realizing that we don't, we didn't think we could scale it any further than we did. So there was some dissatisfaction on all parties on our side. So when you have one business model that you basically, it's like a vehicle where we're, we're driving and we're using, and that dissatisfaction started to show up in different uh, partner conversations and different places. Nothing. We were, we were all for each other. Lots of love in the giant world. Uh, but the reality is we woke up one day and realized, you know what? We're not going to hit our vision under this model. And our vision is to raise up liberators, liberator podcast, raise up liberators in every city and sector. Raise them up. That means we have to help them become leaders worth following. We have to help them build other leaders worth following. So we couldn't do that under that uh, construct of consulting because a consultant can only work with so many people. They're limited in lots of different places. And so we're at a, at a stage realizing that our vision was so strong and so real for us. It's not just a wall plaque. I mean, this is stuff that we believe in. We want to, we want to raise up a different type of leader in the world. We believe the world needs more leaders and more of the right kind of leaders. So this vision was so big and the dissatisfaction was so strong that we had this one moment and uh, we've shared this before, but it, we flipped a pen, threw a pen to Justin Westbrook. He's one of our, um, one of our guys and he's a, a, a amazing thinker. And he started drawing out what the next steps could be, what the actual steps could be to change for new business model. And that was April, 2018. And so with that, we started to see just an amazing um, excitement and fervor. And we started to dream and experiment. And we took a season of experimentation. And that led us to this um, place where we started realizing what resistance do we have in our world? And that resistance you know, some of the resistance is uh, self-imposed from our past. Steve and I like to build and think and create. So sometimes people get tired of, oh, you guys are creating another this or that. Um, you guys are always changing. Well, some of that resistance was actually inhibition and some was perceived prohibition. But when we really started to poke holes in it, we didn't have much resistance. We actually, um, our vision was so high that it was just, it was relatively easy for us as a team to start adjusting. We probably have spent the last, what, nine months now, Steve, working on the steps and getting all the next steps right to the business model that we roll out in September. So September 2019 is really where this business model comes to light full on, full force. And so that's what we've done to over, to really move change inside our organization. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think the um, so the change equation is is both in the moment and it changes. So I think that the key thing is to understand that there is always inertia to change. Ch change is, in some ways, some of us love it, but the majority of people don't. And I think it's also to do with power and authority. Um, so. You know, authority responsibility is one of our tools. And where you have authority, where you're able to make decisions, where you're the leader, you don't usually see a lot of this stuff. Because for you and I, you know, since, the, since we started the thing, hey, if we want something to happen, hey, well, we have no resistance to change. As long as we're agreed, we're good to go. So I think where you have authority, um, then it's relatively straightforward. But where others have responsibility 
and the perception they don't always have the authority to match that. I think that's been one of the interesting things for me, Jeremy. It's just sometimes it's worth you thinking as a leader, well, where do I sit in the decision-making process? Because the closer to the center you are, usually the more unaware you are of this sense of going, you know, well, what is resistance? Because in some ways we didn't have a great deal of resistance because it was really what we decided to happen. It's been really interesting watching what happened when we really created the space for those who perhaps had some dissatisfaction, but almost felt, well, am I really allowed to say this? Or are Jeremy and Steve really open to whatever it may be? It's really interesting for leaders to go, do you actually know what your people are thinking? And I suspect as well, the other thing for me would be is to go, if you found something or you lead something, you're usually pretty high on the vision piece. It's what you do, it's what you get up in the morning to do. So in quite, it's quite easy sometimes if you're in the, the, the seats that have the authority and make decisions, that the change equation doesn't feel as relevant, but it was an incredible lens for us because it actually gave the context for a conversation where people realized, do you know, there is some dissatisfaction here, not out of nastiness or broken relationship, it's just the frustration of going, guys, our vision is unbelievable, but we don't think we can get there by carrying on doing what we're doing. But I would say that the, the clarity of first steps actually then led to an awful lot of hard work where the team felt, I think, in terms of relational trust and that willingness to do alignment of going, how do we all get on the same page to go after something that we all believe in and how do we structure ourselves to make that happen? So people look at what we've done and go, how on earth can you do that in nine months? I think what happened was it's because all of a sudden people felt heard with the dissatisfaction We renewed our commitment to vision and we put in place a very clear way of being able to get there. And probably we said last time, our roles changed as we began to grow from being a startup into an organization where I think people trust the organizational leadership capacity of certain voices more than they do voices like ours. So I'm just thinking out loud. Come back. Yeah. So so with that, if you're listening to this, uh, we are very vulnerable and share very openly our business because uh, we're trying to help leaders and especially help people, you know, becoming leaders that everyone wants to follow, creating cultures. And uh, but but we recognize that all of you are listening, we're running companies and so forth. And so uh, I want to share a couple of examples of what happened uh, this last week. So we were leading, I was leading an X-Core event, which is one of our programs that we've we've created since the very beginning of Giant. And I had these um, leaders in place and, and all of them were leaders at different levels. Some were founders, some were CEOs, some were uh, leaders, you know, supervisors and general managers. And in this, I brought this up as we were talking about it. And the aha was, it was mind-blowing for several people because, and, and it could be for you listening, some of you have high dissatisfaction. You're frustrated. You, you're just, uh, it's just not working. It's, my expectations are not being met. I'm disappointed. So your disappointment and dissatisfaction is high, but you have low vision. Um, that's an issue and that's where hopelessness could come in. And I observed it last week with one of our clients. This guy has um, really, really uh, smart. He's just an amazing person. He has a lot of dissatisfaction in his partnerships, his work, but he doesn't have a clear vision for himself. So his first steps aren't very clear and the resistance feels really high. So then he sometimes feels stuck. 
sometimes the dissatisfaction goes down automatically. And so it's just an interesting dynamic. If your dissatisfaction is high, but your vision's low, you have to watch out for hopelessness because people can, can feel stuck. They can get real disappointed. And then you might not be fully alive to be able to be a Sherpa for someone else. You might not be able to multiply because you're not getting enough oxygen yourself. For some of you who have the flip side, you might have a really high vision, but really low dissatisfaction. There's not really much that needs to be changed, and there's not a lot of resistance. Sometimes that's just life. You're in those kind of seasons. Sometimes it's more sunny, and sometimes it's more cloudy. The other interesting uh, concept here is at work, you might have vision high, dissatisfaction low. At home, it could be the opposite. You might have a home life with high dissatisfaction, but not much vision for home life. And, and um, so there's a lot of dynamics here at play. And I think it's just important that you understand that, you know, change is usually hard because like Steve said, most people have a pre uh, dispens, uh, dispensation, uh, or what's the word? They have, they have a resistance. Uh, they have a, a natural resistance just to change. So change usually is not positive to 70 plus percent of the population. So if you think through that, that's uh, dissatisfaction has to be really high and vision has to be really high to be able to overcome that. But it's just, it's just a tool that we found really useful to liberation and liberation for ourselves. And we thought, man, this tool could be really great for you all if you're listening uh, to, to really do some exercises that, that could be um, life-giving. Uh, I mean, let's just, I think if, if you want to play this in one of your circles of influence to go, to how do you create a safe place to ask people really, what is their level of dissatisfaction with the status quo? How do you get to hearing that honestly, truthfully in your team? Are people excited? Are they dissatisfied? How do you actually understand where they are in relation to the vision? How excited are they by it? How compelled are they by it? If those two, if those two pieces are, you know, there's dissatisfaction, there's high vision, there's still a lot of work that goes, do people understand what the first step towards a new future is? So in some ways, those sequential pieces are important. So, you know, dissatisfaction times vision times a clear understanding of first steps has to be greater than the standard resistance to change for change to happen well. So here's the thing to understand is, most leaders lead change. It's almost impossible to lead in the new world without actually bringing change. It's kind of what we get paid for. But you would be amazed how few leaders lead change well. And I think that's the the, the question here is to go, how do we, those of you who have any form of responsibility for the people you lead, how when we're leading towards the future, usually to a vision we feel compelled by, how do we do it in a way that everyone else feels as empowered, liberated, engaged um, with us in the process? Because I think, you know, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on Jeremy, but I think leaders can usually force change if they want to, but there's always a consequence if they haven't actually done the work to understand what's going on. And that's where often you end up with huge tension in organizations because, you know, the leaders get disconnected from the people who actually will be the people implementing on the ground what that change would be. I think they call those revolutions, uh, right? Forced change, 
creates dissatisfaction at higher levels than was ever met. So you might have a leader who's frustrated, and I've been here, by the way, total. I've actually forced change, which created more dissatisfaction in the ranks and diminished the vision. So uh, I think that's that's right on. So I think that the opportunity, if you're listening, here's the exercise. Here's a couple. Take two circles. Um, you can take family. You can take self or family, and you take work. Those two. Go through, and for both circles, go, all right, I'm di- what am I dissatisfied with at work? Uh, what's my vision for our company or for my role or for my team? All right, is my vision high? Is my dissatisfaction high? What are the next steps? What are the first steps? What would have to happen to see that change take place? And then list out what the resistance would be. Um, and are, what are the barriers? What are the hurdles? What are the gaps? What are the things that would cause resistance? And does your dissatisfaction vision and first steps, does that, you know, is it higher than the resistance? That's really the goal. That's, that's our um, the exercise for you. And if you want to do the same at home, then I think you've got now an opportunity to, um, to really um, see significant change in, in at least have some conversations. Last thoughts for you? No, I, well, apart from the fact that I would say leading change is one of the most difficult skills of leadership. But and if you try and do it without tools and without understanding, you will get it wrong. And I think we're just, obviously we've shared before how using voices and, you know, building up your kind of, your group who think differently to you to help shape communication, help lead change. But I think just, this is just another tool, the change equation, it's been helpful to us. So, you know, um, have a play with it and see what you think. And it's a very useful lens, I think, just for adding to what we've already given you. So the, the goal for you is to be a leader that people want to follow, not have to follow. I think what Steve was saying um, was so appropriate. Most leaders um, don't lead change well. Most leaders like to change, but most don't lead it well. So if you want to lead it well, then do your homework. Um, figure out what you're dissatisfied with, create a vision, uh, make sure it's clear, make sure people understand it, use the voices. Uh, that's what, that, that's the whole goal here is you have an advisory group where you can actually practice this um, with them, asking them their feedback. What would a nurturer want? What does a uh, guardian want? How do, how do you go through the first steps with each voice? And then all of a sudden, uh, maybe it makes more sense for other people to share the vision um, so that resistance goes down significantly. So thanks again for, uh, for being a listener um, of the 4 million plus uh, listeners of the Liberator Podcast all through Antarctica and Greenland and uh, other places that have Liberators. Until next time, we'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. That concludes today's episode of the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. You can find out more information about us online at giantworldwide.com.